Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings on this Tuesday from Studio B on Airline Drive. We are uh, right in the middle of it here uh, at the uh, team facility. We've got that busy week ahead for the New Orleans Saints and the Pelicans wrapping up their season as well. Head coach Monty Williams uh, holding his end of season press conference today. We're going to share some of that with you on today's Black and Blue Report. And we'll also get the thoughts of Jim Eichenhofer. He's from Pelicans.com, of course, as we uh, try and uh, get get to a milestone here with regard to the basketball season and look forward uh, to the NFL draft today. In uh, helping us get ready for the draft, which again starts Thursday, John DeShazer finally stops by and sits down with Daniel Salerson. J.D., of course, will take his, uh, his NewOrleansSaints.com hat and place it firmly on his forehead and help us preview what the Saints may do uh, this week with uh, nine picks across the three rounds, uh, starting with the uh, Thursday night uh, selection at number 13. And uh, we've got a good show for you with all those things wrapped up uh, here concisely for you on this uh, Tuesday. Uh, certainly the NBA playoffs continued yesterday and some more surprises. Um, Atlanta is in a little bit of trouble here against Brooklyn and uh, the Milwaukee Bucks um, holding their own in the Eastern Conference as well. So uh, certainly those are fun things to watch, even though the Pelicans are done playing. And uh, mercifully, we're, what, 48 hours away from the NFL draft now. And so all that stuff we're hearing across the uh, television, the radio and whatnot will, uh, I guess, go by the wayside and we'll get to the real stuff this week but we'll do our share <laughs> as a as a contributors to the noise a little bit hopefully very informed as we get to jd a little bit later in the show but when we take our first break we'll uh, come back with jim eichenhofer from pelicans.com and then the head coach of the pelicans monty williams with us on this busy tuesday here on airline drive 
I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir? I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island and a new sports car and a golden hot That's tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot, $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Well, we followed him all season long on Pelicans.com. He was with the uh, team every step of the way. That's Jim Eichenhofer, of course, who uh, leads the way for the Pelicans.com coverage. Uh, Not only uh, uh, with the written word these days, but he's electronically enhanced as of this season. We uh, saw him in some expanded roles this year, and uh, what a year it was. Jim, hi, good to see you. Hey, good to see you, Sean. How you doing? Jim is a f- I'm doing great. Jim of course is a fresh out of the uh media room here at Airline Drive where head coach Monty Williams just concluded his end of season press conference. Uh Jim, I know that all of us would have rather been preparing for more games in the opening round series, but you know, it is time to put a wrap on the season. I'm curious as to what you took away from coach's uh, session here this morning. I mean, he talked about a lot of different things. It'd be tough to kind of concisely summarize but I think one of the one of the biggest uh, points was just how overall. I mean, obviously the the team improved by eleven games. They made the playoffs, which I think was was the biggest goal right from the beginning of training camp. But um, also just across the board, it seemed like there were um, so many individual improvements. Obviously, everyone talks about Anthony Davis that he made huge strides again this year for the second year in a row. But um, there were so many other players, like Eric Gordon had the best shooting year of his career. Quincy was great in the second half of the season shooting the ball. Um, you could really go up and down the, the roster and, and see a lot of different guys that made improvements. And I think for me, I don't know if he necessarily touched on this a ton, but for me going on going into next season, I think that's another thing that you're going to look at is is how much more can, can a lot of the guys on the, the roster improve. There's a lot of guys that are – in their mid twenties who probably aren't even in their prime yet. So I think that's one of the big things that that I'm looking forward to seeing this summer and going into training camp next year. I know one of the big questions was about Omer Ashik and that will lead to a, a larger question in the off season. Uh, what did you, what did you glean from coach as far as how he felt like Ashik served the team in, in, in his first year as the starting center? I think he, got better in the second half of the season for sure. I think in the first half of the season maybe there were times when you thought he's not living up to expectations or living up to, you know, obviously what you traded to to get him. But I I think in the last 2 months of the season he was he had a, a bunch of double doubles. He had did a the defense improved a ton. I think at one point they were maybe 27th, 28th in defensive uh rating and then they moved all the way up to 22nd, which isn't still isn't great, but it just shows you um defensively that how much better they got 
um, I think maybe from February on. And I think that's another thing that going into next season you're going to look at is is how how do they get higher up in the ratings? How do they get into the at least into the top half of the league, if not top ten, if that's possible? Is there any doubt after what we saw this season, the playoff appearance, and then the way the coach just spoke of Anthony Davis about what number twenty three is now to this franchise and uh, and what he's become? No, not at all. I mean, there's there's no doubt that he's. I mean, I think everyone knew going into this season that he's the fo- focal point and he's the franchise player. And I think, as Monty said numerous times, everything is going to be built around him. So, but if anything, I think he just cemented even more why people have said since the first day that he entered the NBA that he's going to be, you know, a, a huge franchise player. And I think this season he also probably if anyone had any doubt that he has the ability to be potentially the best player in the entire league, I think that was cemented this year just by the way he played and some of the huge games he had. And the fact that he just turned 22 last month is kind of kind of um, ridiculous when you think about it. So, I mean, it was – I think that's one of – there's so many things to look at from this season, but that, that might be the number one thing that you look you look at as a, as a huge uh, – you know, difference maker is the, just the fact that you know how great he's going to be, and he's already a really good player right now. Jim, next to the Anthony Davis story, if you will, or or uh, or centerpiece of this team, I can't help but look back and um, marvel at the Tyreek Evans story. And, and in my eyes, it has two sides. I hope that you'll speak to both. But the two sides would be this. I think that watching Tyreek Evans take another step as a pro, what he was able to do on the floor. But the other side of it is maybe having watched Monty Williams now uh, learn, adapt, adjust uh, to coaching a guy like Tyreek Evans. Both those things have their own intriguing sides, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think you could say that Tyreek is probably the best example on the team of how if you have – continuity with the roster and the coaching staff of what you can get from a player I mean he if you look at what happened to him when he was in Sacramento I I can't remember if it was four or five different coaches he had while he was there in four years here he's had kind of the same message given to him since the beginning of when he when he came here in in a trade or as he was signed kind of as a free agent but um he's he's such a great example of what you can do with a guy when you give him you know, the consistent message and the consistent instruction. Um, I, I love the fact that he's he went from a guy who it seemed like a lot of people around the league thought that his Sacramento days, he was he was extremely talented, but it was a lot of untapped potential. And I feel like here they've made big steps in terms of getting um, all of that out of him. But the the thing that's exciting about him too is that he's – there's still a lot more to I think that they can get out of him, especially that people always talk about how jump shooting is the one thing that you can improve as a player. And I feel like he's made strides in that area, but if he can continue to keep getting better and better at that, he's going to become even more dangerous on offense. Um, I think opposing defenses are still going under screens against him. So if he gets to the point where he can consistently make that uh, three-point shot the way he's been improved since he's got gotten here um I think it's going to be it's just really exciting to think about how good that he can be as he gets into his prime as a player Jim for this team that took another huge step this season there were three in-season additions 
that certainly made a difference. Uh, Dante Cunningham, Norris Cole, and Quincy Pondexter. Have you in any way been able to quantify what the addition of those three guys did for this team this year? I think the most obvious thing to me is I, I think realistically without those three guys they don't make the playoffs because obviously you, you made it by the slimmest of margins. You tied for eighth place and you won the tiebreaker. Um, I think some of the stuff I said about improving on defense, that was a big factor with those guys that they may – you had a situation earlier in the season where small forward was a big question mark. Um, Quincy did a great job guarding wings throughout the season after he was acquired. Dante was huge to be able to have a guy that you can rely on there. And I think from the beginning, Norris was somebody that people were impressed by his uh, ability to play full-court defense and really get up on guys. So, I mean, they they did so many things. The, the biggest thing, I mean, besides defense, too, is just – they gave the Pelicans a rotation that you could rely on. I think at the beginning of the season, the first couple months, it was kind of a guessing game from, from time to time of who you were going to see in, coming off the bench. And there was a lot of mixing and matching and, okay, let's try to figure out if we can get this to work. But I feel like after those guys came in, you had nine or ten guys that, I mean, in the playoffs, I felt like other there were nine guys you knew who were going to play every single game. Alexi was a little bit um, – uh, the one guy that you weren't sure about depending on matchups. But I think that was that was one thing that was just huge, that they were able to get to the point where everybody knew what their role was and everybody knew pretty much who was going to play game in and game out. Jim Eichenhofer with us here from Pelicans.com. Uh, Jim, the, uh, the season that just concluded, uh, what does this season do to the Pelicans fan base going forward in your eyes? I think one of the things I've touched on a little bit in the last couple of days that I think is is different about this year compared to last few years is that you have something tangible to, to hold on to. Um, the last few years, I feel like going into the offseason, there were a lot of different factors. There were a lot of things that you hoped everything would line up in place, and if this happens, if this happens, um, then maybe they'll be able to make the playoffs. I feel like a lot of those question marks now are gone because they showed that they can make – you know, tangible progress and that they were able to achieve the biggest goal that they had. So I think it was a huge step forward. I think now obviously people are going to gonna look at making the playoffs as the baseline, as, as, you know, the minimum of what you want them to be able to do. Not that it's going to be easy to get into the playoffs in any year in the West, but um, I think that's probably the biggest thing to me to, for the fans is just to, to say, like, you know, there's something that you can latch on to now. There's a lot more playoff experience across the roster for a team that didn't have a lot. So, I mean, all those things I think are, are big in, in terms of going into the future and starting next season. Jim, I'm sure you've already started on this, but um, give me what you think will be the major storylines of the off season from your standpoint. Um, I think it's, it's one of those things, I think, again, where – you're, there's no first-round pick this year. So, to me, I think one of the things I'm going to focus on a lot again this summer is you have a, a roster with a lot of guys in their 20s. Um, how much better can Anthony Davis get? How much better can, as we talked about, Tyreek get? Um, you could really go across the roster and look at, you know, there's there's more, there's more a lot more that can be um, brought out of a lot of the guys on this team. And I think as the West, I mean, this is a little further down the road, but I think as some of the teams in the West get older, 
what you hope happens is that you keep improving, you keep making progress from year to year, and eventually you get to the point where you're one of the teams that's regarded as, you know, maybe a top three or top five team in the West. So, I mean, who knows? That could happen as soon as next year, hopefully, if if, uh, if things break the right way. But I think that's one of the biggest things this summer to me is just just having getting more progress from different guys and also the health of Drew. Hopefully he'll, he'll be healthy going into next season and you'll have a – a situation where at the beginning of next year you have you have everybody ready to go. Is Omar Ashik back with the Pelicans in the fall? That's a good question. I mean, to me, this is just me talking. Uh, I think I think you bring him back if he if he you can get him for a reasonable uh, offer. I mean, I'm not sure. I think one of the biggest things that is going to be interesting is to see, and I don't know the answer to this question, but to see what. What kind of offers is he going to get from other teams? Did do teams look at what he did this year and say, you know, we need we need to bring this guy in at eight ten million a year, or is it is it more like a mid level kind of offer? So, I mean, that's to me though. I think if you can bring him back at a reasonable price, you you try to do that because centers uh, are not easy to find, and you pretty much always have to overpay for guys that can help you win. We'll be following you. I'm sure you'll have plenty to do here shortly enough, Jim Eichenhofer. <laughs> <laughs> there are no breaks, it seems, these days. No, there might be a little break, but it won't be very long, and then we'll be jumping into, I mean, they have a second-round pick, so there will be a draft uh, element to this summer, and uh, obviously July 1st will be the beginning of free agency, and then Summer League, which is only a little bit more than two months away, will be, be there for that in Las Vegas, so... There's always plenty of stuff to do in the summer, even though I know that surprises people sometimes. That's Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. Jim, enjoy the rest of the playoffs first, and then uh, we'll be looking for you for all the offseason news as well. Great, Sean. Thank you. We'll be right back. When we come back, we'll hear from Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarain's has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarain's has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarain's, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. This is Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We continue from Studio B here on Airline Drive. Thanks again to Jim Eichenhofer for popping in from Pelicans.com. And as you, uh, as you know, the press conference was this morning with head coach Monty Williams. This end-of-season press conference, and uh, that will uh, take him and his staff into the offseason. The entire press conference, of course, can be found at Pelicans.com. There are... Uh, a few, though, points that I want to uh, share with you this morning, the thoughts of uh, the head coach, uh, namely, and starting with, uh, 
the growth of this team this season and uh, and what it meant to have Anthony Davis truly step into the role as the franchise player. As far as AD is concerned, um, he is the kind of player that most coaches would uh, pay to coach. You know, he's he's been a dream for me as far as uh, helping him to develop being a part of his journey. And he's, you know, hopefully going to be a part of this team and city for a long time. Um, as far as contracts go, I don't, I don't think talking about that would, I don't think I should do that. I'll probably get in trouble. But he's just a, he's a special player. He's um, one of the more unique um, players that I've been around and I've, you know, been around for a, a little bit and, and the prospects of his potential are, people say scary or crazy or berserk. I, I just, I've never seen anybody like him. He has an effect on the game that is, is so different from other players that you've seen in the past. And um, that's why I was so frustrated that he didn't get defensive player of the year because how many guys block shots, can block eight, nine shots a game and go out and guard point guards, block three pointers, dunks, and guard small forwards. I mean, you don't, you don't see that. And he's the same guy that'll beat everybody down the floor, dunk the ball, or knock down a jump shot off the dribble. I mean, he's just a, he's a unique, uh, different player. And at the same time, you know, I'm going to be on him this summer about all the things that he has to do to get better because that's the responsibility that we have. Of course, as you just heard Jim Eichenhofer and myself talk about, Omer Ashik is going to be a, a big, a big storyline this coming offseason. And uh, Coach was asked about Ashik's con contributions to the team and uh, what it may mean going forward. Um, as far as Omer is concerned, Omer is a huge part of what we do. I mean, if you look at um, our defensive numbers from last year to this year, uh, we've improved in a number of categories. Um, but if you look at, you know, what we did, and we've, we've always been a team that got better as the year wore on because we had, like, we had basically a different team every year for the past three or four years. So when you look at what we did after the All-Star break, we were first in three-point field goal percentage, first in three points, three-pointers made, um, 14th in overall defensive rating, which is something that I didn't pay much attention to before. I do now because I understand it a lot better. Offensively, we improved um, after the All-Star break. And uh, from a defensive standpoint, Omir was a huge part of that. And you could say it helped our offense because he was one of the guys that helped us get stops. And um, he and AD are, are really good at you know guarding their man, blocking shots. Um, it makes our defense um, that much better. And early on, it didn't look like it. And I'll be the first to admit that. But it just takes time to figure out scheme. Um, the other thing, early on in the season, we had the toughest schedule in the league up until January, I think. And, and we were still in the top five. But I think that's just the West. But Omir uh, certainly added a great value to our team, um, not just as a defender. His IQ, um, as he got more comfortable with me, uh, we began to talk more. And I think that's when you started to see our defense get a lot better. So he, he's highly valued by uh, this organization, and uh, he's an asset to this city.
Coach Williams was reticent to speak of a lot of um, key evaluation points as he and his staff uh, have not yet sat down with uh, Dell Demps and Mickey Loomis as of just yet. So certainly there will be a lot of things that they kick around and, and see what's needed for their team, what they like, to, what still needs to be uh, acquired at this point. Uh, you know, and, and one of the things that's sometimes overlooked is the coaching staff itself. Uh, Coach Williams did talk about whether or not uh, his staff will be the same coming in the uh, next season and, and, and perhaps even why maybe a staff stays together or changes are made. He spoke to that as well. It's a tough deal. Um, every year, just about every year, somebody's tried to take Randy from us, uh, Randy Ayers. And I, you know, he's had opportunities to go back and be closer to his family, and he, he, he stays. And so he's crazy enough to hang around me, so I figure the rest of them will, you know, want to do the same. At the same time, um, every year um, we, I evaluate. That's, that, that's on me, and I'm looking at different ways to make our staff better, whether it's uh, bringing the staff back or making a change. And, and Mickey and I are going to sit down um, next week and talk about that because it's, you're right, it's an important part of what we do. And I feel like if... If we're doing the things that are helping our players get better, why change? But at the same time, if we can add something um, that's going to help our, our program, then we have to look at that. It seems that one thing that has not uh, eluded the Pelicans, and specifically Monty Williams, is overall health of a ball club uh, during each of his campaigns thus far. And that certainly was the case again uh, this past season. They were able to overcome much of it and make the playoffs for the first time in four years. But health again was a storyline, specifically that of starting point guard Drew Holiday. Coach Williams uh, talked about those challenges and what may be ahead here for Drew in the coming months. I can't sit here and try to diminish that. It, there is concern there um, just because he's unsure um, and he hasn't been able to play. And our, our staff, uh, the medical staff, is evaluating daily trying to figure out how we can get him on the floor and so anytime you don't have a player like Drew uh, who plays every game and practices every day and then when he can't there's there's concern so we, we're going to do everything we can work with his doctors in LA to try to figure out how we can get him back on the floor because no matter how you slice it uh, concern or um, frustration the bottom line is I'm more saddened that he can't play for him. Um, you know, the, the conversation that I had with him in Boston when I pulled him out, he wanted to play in Boston, and I pulled him because I didn't like watching him limp up and down the floor and, and to see his face. Um, that was hard for both of us because I know how hard he wants to play, and, also, and I also understand my responsibility as a coach is to win games, but I'm not going to do it and jeopardize his future or his health. And so that was a tough moment for all of us, and, and we, we're still trying to figure it out. And, and hopefully, Lord willing, he'll be back on the floor next year and, and, and healthy. All in all, though, the Pelicans are coming off of a playoff appearance and 45 wins during the regular season. And I think that the vibe that we get from Coach is that the season was certainly a success and one of growth for himself and, of course, for his entire roster. Uh, there will be a Monty Williams show for you on Thursday night, the final one of the year. It'll be a wrap-up Monty Williams show Thursday night at 8 Central on the flagship station of the Pelicans Radio Network, and that's WWL-FM. 
We'll get more thoughts from Coach on Thursday. And, again, you can hear his entire press conference uh, today on pelicans.com. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to shift our gears a bit, and uh, we'll talk with John DeShazer. Daniel Salerson visits with J.D. about the upcoming draft here on the Black and Blue Report. Last year, over 400,000 people from 90 countries and all 50 states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise, clinical research, and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading-edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders, and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years. And today, Auctioner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care closer to home. Find the care you need today. Call 866-AUCTIONER for a same-day appointment. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. All right, we continue our NFL draft series. We are done with picks 1 through 12. We went across the league with some of the writers to talk about uh, which some of the teams might get with those possible picks. And now it's time for the New Orleans Saints at number 13. And who better than to explain to us what might they might do is John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. J.D., good morning, my friend. Well, good morning. Now that we've gotten rid of these uh, other 12 guys who have no idea what they're talking about, I will <laughs> um, drop some real knowledge here. Uh, or I can follow in their suit and not know what I'm talking about either. So we'll go one way or the other. Well, it brings that's an interesting point. You talk about these mock drafts, these mock draft 5.0s, these mock draft 6.0s, and then what happens is, is one trade happens in the first round and all that can, goes out the window. So to me, what are, what are some of the points of these mock drafts? And, well, it's fun for the fans and it's fun for the writers, I guess. I mean, it drives up interest. The, the, the NFL draft – uh, draws about as much interest as it seems like the playoffs in the regular season. And now that the draft has basically gone to a three-day event where it's all in prime time and they kind of siphon it off uh, TV ratings from other shows, <laughs> uh, it's really turned into a, a huge undertaking. So, you know, I think that's what the mountain drafts are all about. I mean, if you got to have six or seven of them like most of these guys do and you're constantly shifting and changing and all that, why don't you just wait and do one last one instead of doing one, you know, in – in February when you know everything's going to change. But, you know, it's a good conversation piece. You know, and then guys happen to do things that players that will shift and change uh, their values. Uh, I think we've just seen Shane Ray come up, unfortunately, with a misdemeanor arrest for, uh, I think, alcohol and and marijuana uh, possession or something of that sort. So that's probably going to affect his draft status. I mean, all of a sudden a guy who might have gone, you know, 10, 12, 17, might drop down to the second round, maybe even the third round. So that affects you know his him financially, and it certainly affects his reputation. Yeah, that's a tough one for him, that's for sure, especially three days before the draft. Let's talk about the Saints. Two picks in the first round, five picks in the first 78, two in the first round, two in the third, one in the second. A lot of options there at 13 and 31, J.D. What positions do you think they might address there with the first round picks? Well, I mean, this being that time of the year where you can't really take anything at face value. Now, so I got to say that first, and that's my you know disclaimer. However, you know, we spoke to Coach Sean Payton, and he pretty much volunteered that this team 
was going to be looking for an edge rusher, whether that's a defensive end, whether that's an outside linebacker. They want a guy who can get after the quarterback, and it certainly seems to fit what it is that they that they do need because they've added in the secondary with uh, secondary with Brandon Browner uh, coming in as a free agent cornerback. They actually. You can't call him a free agent addition because he was a free agent addition last year, but he only played such limited time that Jarris Bird is almost like a new acquisition. He really didn't get a chance to play last year and didn't get a chance to work with the team at all during the offseason. So you think they're going to, you know, if they're going to stay true to form, I think they're going to go after an edge rusher early uh, with that number 13 guy. And, um, you know, 31, you know, one of the other things that Coach mentioned was that, you know, they still need some help in the secondary. They still want some more cornerbacks because even though you add Brandon Browner and even though you have Keenan Lewis to play on that other other side, the depth quality-wise at corner isn't quite what the Saints wanted to be. Corey White is gone. Patrick Robinson is gone. So now all of a sudden, you know, is it Stanley Jean-Baptiste who's going to step in who basically had a red shirt season as a rookie? Well, can you trust him to step in? Is he ready to play now? Or can you get a guy who has played cornerback you know, since high school, and now he can come in and play your nickel or your dime in those situations. So they still got some guys that, you know, some options there. But you can always, you know, do something with those picks. That's 13 and 31. They'll, those are valuable picks. But I don't necessarily know if the Saints are going to do anything in terms of the packaging and moving up for, for a guy as opposed to staying put and adding bodies. Do some of those pass rushers, you say, like Dante Fowler, um, Leonard Williams, um, even a Vic Beasley, does that maybe entice the Saints to maybe – move up a little bit just because they do have so many picks that they could possibly trade? Well, that could be a possibility. Now, Leonard Williams, who, you know, from all all intents and purposes, everybody says he could be the best player in the draft, period. So getting, you know, putting together the the, the wherewithal and the, the, the additives and, and the whatever you need to move up to be able to get him, that might be too much freight to pay to go up to get him because you might have to go up to, you know, three, four, five to get him, and that's going to be a steep price to pay. Uh, a Vic Beasley, however, or Dante Fowler, who might be in that 7-8 range, maybe they've got enough freight to pay to get up and get him. But you only give up, you know, those two first-round picks to get one guy if you are sure that's your guy. If you know he's going to walk in the door and be a stud from day one, then that's the kind of move you want to make. Otherwise, you know, because at 13 and 31, you get to add two quality players as opposed to adding one quality player. Now, if that one quality player, if that one player is a great player, is a potential Pro Bowl All Pro player, then yeah, you make that move. But if not, if you you know if you got any doubt, then you can add two quality guys at 13 and 31. And this is supposed to be a deep draft. You know they can get some you know defensive guys in the first round and go after the offensive guys they might want in the second and third rounds because they I know Coach Payton also mentioned that they need some wide receivers, so you can go after them later because it's the deep draft and wide receivers. But if you if your guy is there at number eight or nine and you've got the freight to pay to go get him, you don't have to make it too steep a price, and you can still add those quality bodies a little bit later that the Saints need to add. Then I think yeah, you make it, you make your move and you jump and go get him. Could this turn into a huge chess match as far as one through picks one through thirteen? They say Winston Mariota might go one and two, but if somehow Mariota does not go number two, then he could slide back to six, meaning some other team might jump up and say, hey, I want this player in the top five or maybe five through ten, which could affect how the Saints draft. Could you see a lot of movement with picks one through 13 based on just the first two picks in the draft? I think absolutely. I mean, I think Mariota is a valuable commodity right now from everything you hear. And there are several teams that might be willing to move up to get him, which means, you know, that that Houston's willing to back out. I mean, Texans, the Texans are – 
the Texans. <laughs> Tennessee, the Titans, yeah. excuse me, might be willing to back out of that spot. If they are, then that could jumble the thing up completely because now all of a sudden you're talking about some shuffling. And usually in the NFL draft, there's some guy who's picked who probably would have gone maybe 20 who ends up at 8 or 9 or something out of a need for a team as opposed to, you know, the quote-unquote best player available. So, you know, the draft always gets a little bit jumbled because of trades or because of a guy who sh- who skyrocketed up somebody's draft board but who was pretty steady on everybody else's. If you've got a guy ranked number 5 and everybody else has him, you know, 19, but you love him so much at 5, you take him at 5 even though everybody has him valued at 19, that can kind of throw a wrench into the draft. And all of a sudden a guy will fall, a player will fall into a team's lap that they weren't expecting to be there. You mentioned wide receivers. Any chance that they could possibly look at a wide receiver in the first round, or is that something you see them waiting on, maybe possible picks second round, third round? I think they're going to wait because I believe they believe that, you know, one, there's quality depth, and two, the Saints have shown that they can pick receivers a little bit later and still get and still get quality and value out of them. Kenny Stills was a was a later round pick. Uh, Marcus Colston was a later round pick. So they've been able to, you know, even Jimmy Graham was a third round pick at tight end. They've been able to pick guys later. Brandon Cooks was a first rounder last year, but I don't know if they go back to back years as first rounder as a wide receiver, especially if they feel like they can get a quality guy in the second or third round. And with this offense. You know Drew Brees is going to spread the ball. You know Sean Payton is going to spread the ball. They don't necessarily care who catches it. They just want somebody to catch it. And if you can catch it and you're a second or third round pick, then they're going to take you. And plus nowadays in the NFL, a second or third round pick is the guy who's expected to come in and play anyway. I mean, and a lot of those guys come in and start right away. So if they're smart enough to pick up the system, as Kenny Stills was, Kenny Stills was able to walk in and basically start from day one. If they get a guy who's smart enough and talented enough, then they'll have the guy that they want in a second or a third round. We can try to predict what the Saints might do, picks uh, rounds one through seven, but at the end, once it starts on Thursday, you just never know what can happen. That's John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. J.D., what can we look out for on NewOrleansSaints.com in the next few days and even uh, during the draft this weekend? Well, I mean, I think we're going to be live streaming and have our coverage between myself and Sean Kelly, uh, two guys who just jumped off basketball. Now we're going to yeah. swing straight into football and hopefully uh, entertain everybody with, with some pertinent information on the Saints picks. Uh, if you're expecting us to you know, do a whole lot of hypothesizing before the pick, then you might have the wrong guys because, um, you know, this is something that, you know, is, is not quite as, as uh, comfortable for us right now at this moment because we've been so hip deep in basketball. But, I mean, we've got to work in knowledge of it. Don't get me wrong. So, you know, we'll be trying to provide as much information as possible. I think Sean is going to be doing uh, something with the fans on Saturday uh, as far as, you know, with the draft picks. So that'll be fun for him. He's going to be emceeing an event with them. And I'll be uh, in the studio, in Studio B by myself, you know, I'm going to miss him a little bit, maybe, I think. But uh, <laughs> So we'll have a little fun with that. But, I mean, we, we should have fun. I think we're going to be able to interview some Saints scouts, hopefully some Saints assistant coaches. Um, maybe we'll get lucky and get general manager Mickey Loomis or Coach Sean Payton in, you know, once the process is done and, uh, and get a chance to chit-chat with those guys about the Saints picks. But it uh, should be an exciting time. You're talking about five picks in the first 78 first 78 picks five draft choices in the first 78 picks that can be something that can basically transform your franchise I mean this could be something that that will set you up for the next five six seven years if those guys pan out if you got those five picks if three or four of them pan out you've got basically a great draft class and a nice foundation going forward yeah, and the Saints have been known for finding some gems in those late rounds, so you never know. Paying attention to the rounds five through seven uh, could be very interesting as well. John the Shazer there from NewOrleansSaints.com. Put your football hat on, my friend. It's about to get a little busy for you. <laughs>
Yeah, it's going to be something here. Um, you know, like I said, the NFL draft, an exciting time of year, so we're going to jump into it both feet and, uh, and see, if we can, uh, see if we can swim along with it. Coverage starts Thursday here um, from Studio B. Actually, Sean and J.D. will be right here. They're kicking me out of my office for a few days. No black and blue report Thursday or Friday, but first-round coverage will begin um, late Thursday night. Uh, when we come back, more on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun, interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. As we said earlier, we're just days away now, literally two from the NFL Draft. Thanks again to John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com for joining us today. Daniel Salerson and J.D. uh, did a great job of helping us get ready uh, from the Saints angle. And that concludes, obviously, our draft preview series, taking you through uh, picks 1 through 12 and then number 13 with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, big day, of course, because of Monty Williams wrapping up the season with his end-of-season press conference. Uh, again, the entire press conference can be found at pelicans.com. And Jim Eichenhofer, a big thanks to him, too, for stopping in before he heads off to the offseason as well. Tomorrow, we're going to hear from uh, Saints Vice President, Executive Vice President, General Manager Mickey Loomis on the Black and Blue Report. It is his pre-draft press conference uh that'll be on airline drive here just across the hall from studio b tomorrow we're also going to hear from marcus hubbard and the soul rebels uh they're playing jazz fest this weekend and uh that's a that's a band that we love and uh, they love the saints and pelicans so we're looking forward to that visit and david wesley one more time for a wesley wednesday we'll get his thoughts on how the pelican season wrapped up after the uh, round one fall to the golden state warriors So hope that you'll be with us tomorrow, and we hope that, of course, you have a great rest of your Tuesday as well. For all of our guests today and for Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you right right here next time on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.